Welcome to church. I'm glad you came today to worship and sing with us and be here on this long, long weekend. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, Jamie, so this is week two of Epiphany. If you're like, what? What in the world? We're, um, it's kind of new to us as well. So um, we as a church, something different, been following the church calendar. Um, if you're wondering, and if you came from a church where it's never, ever um, been through the church calendar before, something that's really, one thing I really love about the church calendar, there's actually more than one thing I love about it, but one thing I love about it is if you read through it and it covers all the main themes and topics and scriptures of the Bible in three years. So sometimes you ever read and you're like, oh, I haven't, haven't thought about that or haven't read that in years or I haven't thought about that. So if you follow it, you're going to cover the main themes of the Bible. Another thing I love about it is I think we're very individualistic in our culture. We're very much like I instead of us. I think this, I, I. And when you do that, when we participate in the church calendar, we're reading the same scriptures as thousands of people all over the world. So when you're reading this passage today, you're reminded that I'm part of something so big. People in Africa, people in Asia, people all over the world today are reading the same passages. So it reminds us that we're part of something so much bigger than, than our community or our community in Pullman, our community in the United States. So with that, we're, we're in, in Epiphany. Jamie, would you share with us a little recap and review on Epiphany. I thought you were going to do it like a quiz and ask me, <laughs> what, what did you learn last week uh, mm -hmm. when we were speaking? Uh, so here's what I recall from last week. Uh, first of all, that Epiphany is the celebration that happens after Christmas. So you have Advent, Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, which we didn't even cover because by the time we got back to church, it was over. And then you have Epiphany. And Epiphany is... Uh, the stories, there's like three main stories that go with it over, a, I said last week, a three-week period, and you're like, nope, it's a six-week period. So look at that being wrong in front of lots of people. So exciting. Uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's good for me. It's good for me. You guys all know it's good for me, right? Yeah. yeah. A few of you more know that more than others, I think. They're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so the three stories, let's see if I can remember. The first story is what we talked about last week, which is the, what is traditionally called the three wise men, which is a hard thing to break, but they weren't necessarily men and they weren't necessarily wise. They were astrologers. And the story of Epiphany there is about, it's this aha moment, this, yeah, she doesn't love the term aha moment, but we talked about it and she actually is like, oh, there's no real good reason to not like it. it just, she just doesn't like it. It's uh, kind of like, I don't know an odd fitting pair of pants or something. I don't like them. There's nothing wrong with them. I don't like them. Uh, so they had this aha moment where the whole world, right, is seeing that the, the baby Jesus was for them. And it was written in the stars. And so astrologers, which might have been men, might have been women, came from the East, from a whole nother religion to come and worship Jesus. So that's the first story. The second story is the story we're going to talk about today, which is the baptism of Jesus. And this is a, kind of an aha moment for the Jewish people because we're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's really a big deal for the Jewish people that they see this. Um, I also think, and we'll talk about it too, that there's kind of an aha moment for Jesus himself in it. And then the third one is what we'll talk about next week, which is the story of the uh, turning water into wine, which is one of those 
one's like we never preach on it because it's like why would God do that? Like, well, why wouldn't He on one level, right? <laughs> like, why did He just do that all the time? But on the other level, it's like why is this a miracle? Like, yeah, you, know, you understand healing a blind person, but turning water into wine that seems a little strange. And so there's this other aha moment for the disciples. So that's kind of the three big things. And the word epiphany, uh, I said last time, was like lightning struck my brain. I've had an apostrophe from the movie Hook. Uh, people remembered that. Um, I, I was thinking about when we, this just a few months ago, we had that cold snap. You guys remember the cold snap? Does anybody remember the cold snap? Your brain froze and you forgot about it. Um, so you know how that fog kind of came down over the city? And like at first it was like, oh, this is pretty. And then it like got darker and darker and then it froze and then the streets froze and everything was like treacherous and I remember driving one night I was coming home from the office and it was so thick out there you couldn't see but 10 feet and then I was in Moscow I went grocery shopping or something I was coming back from Moscow and I was driving like 20 miles an hour on that highway because you could not see but then one day remember the fog went lifted again and suddenly you could see all the things that we're already there. And that's what epiphany is. It's like, there's all these things that are already around us. There's hills and mountains and trees and other people and pedestrians, things that are important to see so you don't hurt them and hurt other people. Uh, there's things that are important for us to see and it's like a fog lifts and suddenly everything becomes clear and we have this aha moment. I still really like it, aha. That's what was going on, and that's what Epiphany is really all about. It's, it's turning on the lights and, and seeing what's really there. And then there's also this uh, last thing here is that there's a theme of, of kind of outreach that we share the story because when you know, the lights came on inside of us, we can't help but, but you know, shine that light wherever we go. And we're kind of guiding people through the fog. We're helping people come to their own aha moments and, and praying and hoping and, and, and believing that God wants to do that for other people. So it's, this theme is woven throughout this celebration of Epiphany. Did, did I, how did I score? 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, how'd I do? You did well. I you did, did well. well. She's not gonna give me a grade. <laughs> I'll give you an A. Ooh, I got an A. <laughs> Gold star for me. My spiritual director gives me A's because she knows that I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> All right, should we begin with the passage for today? We should begin with the passage. Right. We should have started there earlier and told people because it takes a minute to get there. All right, well, we're in Matthew today, chapter 3, and it's a short passage. We're reading verses 13 through, I think it's 17. All right, so if you have your Bibles, I hear, I hear a Bible. So I encourage you to bring a Bible. I know that lots of us use our phones, but there is something about to knowing where something is and being familiar. So there's something about tactile as well. And I'm not sure if that's just because I'm old or I just actually think there is something to knowing where things are at. Nobody, we read things differently. Nobody called you old. Because <laughs> they're mm, kind. Because they're kind. All right, I'm going to read. Here we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus came... And when Jesus had been baptized, I lost my spot. Just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, 
This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be Thanks to God. Be to God. Uh, so this little passage is like, I don't know, have you ever had uh, fruitcake? Like some fruitcake has a little bit of fruit, and other fruitcake has a lot of fruit. This is a fruitcake with a lot of fruit, and the fruit is the symbols and signs that are going on in the passage that would be really, really noticeable to Jewish people in the first century when this was written. And, you know, you're like, well, okay, well, great, they're signs, wonderful, good for them. What does it mean for us? Uh, let me illustrate. So Heidi and I, about, I'm going to guess, 18 years ago-ish, went to Mexico for the very first time on a vacation. And it was lovely. It was wonderful. And we rented a car, and we're navigating, driving in Mexico for the very first time, okay? And we're driving down this freeway, which is, it was in kilometers. I did some math, which might be funny math, and I was driving probably 60 miles an hour down a freeway, okay, completely open freeway. And we're driving along, and we notice that, like, this car is suddenly in this lane, the lane in front of us going a little slow, and it has this left-hand turn signal on. And we're thinking, oh, there must be something slow up in front of it, and he's going to turn and pass. So we drove and followed him for a number of kilometers, because they don't have miles in Mexico. They only have kilometers there. So we went for a number of kilometers, whatever distance that was, and we're just, like, getting frustrated. I'm like, well, why isn't this guy passing? Like, and I'm pulling over and looking, and then there's nobody in front of him. So we find out a year later that when in Mexico, if somebody is driving slow in the right-hand lane with their left-hand turn signal on, that means, pass me, por favor. You know, <laughs> go ahead. You can just go right around. He was probably sitting in the, in the front seat getting really nervous because I'm riding his tail. He's like, why aren't you going by? And I'm like, why are you? And I'm thinking he's going to turn. It's a completely different sign or signal for that. And then we get back on the freeway. We get, you know, go around him, and we're flying along doing however many kilometers an hour it was. And we see this sign, and here comes the sign. I'll show you what it looks like. It looks like this. Topes. I even asked how to say it. Or tope. And we're like, hey, look at that sign. That's unusual. What does that mean? Guess what it means? Gigantic speed bump <laughs> in the middle of the freeway. I found out by hitting it at full speed. Kaboom! We're like flying in the air. <laughs> like, and we learned... Now we know. We learned really fast what it means when we see this sign in Mexico. So signs and signals are really important, right? And we need to know what they say. And we're reading this little passage. It's like, oh, that's nice. Jesus got baptized. And yet it is packed full of signs and symbols that take us to this place of, for the Jews especially, and for us today, this like, whoa, aha moment. So the first thing we wanted to do is talk a little bit about some of those signs and symbols that stood out to us. So you want to do one? Sure. So the first one is water. Water's pretty pretty basic. It's pretty universal, and it's it's quite simple. But it was um, showing that you're gonna when you go down and you come up, you get clean. You're not you're not the same. And so when Jesus um, when we're baptized, right? It's like we're being we're being washed. It's like we're being made clean. And also the water here specifically is the Jordan. And so the Jews, when they're reading it, right, Matthew's the author, and he's writing to the Jews. He's not writing to us. He's writing to the Jews. So when they see it, they go, oh, we've been through this water before. Oh, when we came through here, this is when we came and God saved us. This is the water that God brought us out of slavery. And so when we're being baptized, in a way, we're also being brought out 
of slavery. So we too don't have to stay slaves. We can be free. So those are some, and there's there's more with the water. Yeah, there's tons with the water. The, the imagery of the water takes you back to Exodus and the parting yeah. of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And then this is physically the space where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River from the desert and the wilderness and into the promised land. So many things going on with that. So when the people saw Jesus being baptized, they would remember the story. They would remember Moses, and they would realize that you're being invited into something different. You're being, being invited to a different way of being. And then there's this dove. It says that the spirit, or see, I'm going to read it. Uh, when Jesus is baptized, just as, just as he was coming up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And when Jews in the first century and beyond would be reading this, they'd hear this word dove, and their mind would automatically spark again. They would know a few things. Number one, Genesis chapter one, that the Spirit of God hovers over the waters of the earth before creation. And the image actually of that word, so Hebrew words is not just a word like ours is, but it's like a word picture. And the word picture is actually a dove flapping its wings and hovering above water looking for a place to land. And so right in the beginning of the story, we see this God's doing something. God's about to create something. The next time we see a dove is in the story of Noah's ark, which is a terrific, a tragic, not a terrific, a tragic story. <laughs> Hard to say that word um, of, of, of destruction on earth. But if you remember in the story of Noah's ark, Noah has spent 40 days with his family and a whole bunch of animals on a boat. People are going crazy. The lions are getting hungry. And he's thinking, is this over yet? So he takes a dove. And he goes out to the outside of the boat, and he throws the dove into the air, and he's like, go find land, bird, go find land. And the the bird, the dove, goes out, and it comes back, signifying that the water is still covering the earth. The punishment is still ongoing. So he tries again a few days later, sends the bird out, and the bird goes out, and it comes back with an olive branch in its mouth. And that olive branch says, look, it's, now there's peace on earth. God's, God's wrath has expended itself. It is over. And new life is springing up from the ground. But it's not yet safe to get out of the boat. And it becomes this symbol of peace, right? That's like the UN, United Nations symbol. It's got the dove with the olive branch. And it's this, even today, a lasting symbol of peace. But it didn't end there. Noah, a few days later, again sends a dove out. And the dove goes and flies away from the ship. And guess what happens? He didn't come back. The next time we see a dove in the Bible is right here. The dove descends from heaven and lands upon Jesus. Now we got this sign of that God's wrath is, is no longer against us, and yet now here is this safe place to land. God is building something new, creating something new from this man standing in the water. It's a huge sign and symbol for them, and they would be looking at it going, whoa, whoa. Yeah, another sign or symbol that you want to talk about? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I thought the dove. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Part of the point of the dove was the Jews would see it and they'd go, "Oh, oh!" Like because otherwise, Jesus looks like any other person being baptized. But then when they saw the dove, they go, "Pay attention. This is something, something different." So another part of this passage is just looking at baptism, which was really kind of fun this week. It was really interesting because we've had lots of strong opinions in the church about how to be baptized and how not to be baptized. It was really fun to read, to read like the, 
the foremost thinker in the Anglican church and his view and read it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then to read like a normal, like a normal R kind of way of thinking, that's not, that's not the right to say it. Normal, normal to me, Would normal to what I, normal. Well, normal to what I grew up and read that. And then to read the Catholic and, um, and they're all, they're all really different. And when you read it from their person, you're like, they're, they're all fine, like infant baptism. But the main point in all of them is that we're reborn. We are all invited. All humans are born once. And we are invited to be reborn again. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your accolades. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how smart you are, we're all invited to be reborn again. And we all start when we're reborn as an infant. I've been thinking about this. When we're reborn, when we're brought into the, brought into the body of Christ, we're brought in as an infant. And we choose as believers in these seats where we're gonna stay. You can come to Jesus and be a Christian for decades and decades and decades and remain an infant and not choose to do the, the disciplines, the hard work, the leaning into Jesus, the creating of roots to grow up in your faith and to mature. Because when we're reborn, I was thinking, we're invited to freedom. And sometimes we're like, I don't feel free. I still feel stuck. And so I'm brought into Christ, and in order to experience it, I must grow up. So the picture here is an invitation. Jesus invites us to be reborn. The, the concept of baptism is, like you said, it's, it's very divisive, actually, in, mm -hmm. in the Christian church. People have a lot of different views on it. But when we kind of come back to this point, we see Jesus saying, I need to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. Um, he's, he's setting an example for us that we too need to go down into the water and up into a new life. Jesus, um, he's, he's figured here, like all of these signs and symbols again, point to Jesus as, as a new Moses in some ways. Um, and if you know Moses, Moses is the guy that led the people through the Red Sea, like the parting of the waters. You've watched the, uh, the Prince of Egypt. Moses is the Prince of Egypt, right? And uh, so Jesus gets prefigured again now as this new Moses that is leading God's people through the water and out into the promised land. And he goes first. He goes first through the water and out to the promised land. And then as we progress through the story of Jesus, we later see that Jesus progresses, goes through death and comes out the other side, leading God's people into new life. Jesus goes into the water and comes out birthed into a new life as we are, and his new life is lived out in the wilderness for a time, and it's tested, and he's tempted, and then he teaches and enters a ministry. There's this whole progress through life, ending in his death and then resurrection, and he is the model. The first fruit is another way of saying it. Like if you're a fruit, if there's a fruit tree, Jesus is the first ripe apple on that tree, but we are all apples as well. So what happened to him happens to us. And so that's why we participate in baptism. It's a part of the fulfilling the righteousness. It's not just something that was prophesied or that he had to do, but he's showing us the way through. And he's leading us as Moses led the people. Baptism doesn't just save us. Baptism doesn't make us just clean. 
But what it does, and this is uh, right out of the Jewish first century belief about ritual cleansing, that it made life sacred. Is what comes up out of that water was not just spiritually sacred, but that everything that it touches became sacred. And we enter into this new life with God, um, bringing God's kingdom with us and, and finding that we are growing from, as the Bible says, glory to glory, age to age, you know, level to level. We become more and more like Christ. It's a beautiful image, and it's really important. What I've been noticing as I've been reading this passage in the last few years and what has stood out to me is that God says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased before Jesus does anything. This is before he went out and did anything. It's just because he's his son. I really think the timing of this passage is super important or it's placed, is before Jesus went out and did what he was created to do. You and I are beloved before we do anything, before we become anything, just because you exist, because you were created. God says, you are my beloved daughter. I love you. I am, and actually, I'm pleased with you. In our culture, I think, I think you're pleased with me because I did well. You're pleased with me because I'm making something of my life. You're pleased with me because I'm, but God says, I'm just pleased with you. It's really hard to get your brain around that idea. I'm just, I like you. I'm pleased with you. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And what I noticed this time when reading the passage that I hadn't noticed before is right after Jesus says to him, you are my beloved, who am I well pleased, he sends him out to be tempted by Satan. So even though I am God's beloved, even though he is crazy about me, it does not mean that my life will not be have temptations. It does not mean that my life will not be hard. It does not mean that it will be easy. And, and this is kind of a, God sent him there. God could send you to form you to something hard. And also what I noticed is he said to him, this will show some of my thinking, he said to him before he went out in the wilderness, I'm pleased with you. I sometimes think that when hard things come, if I manage them well, if I come out the other end strong, if I come out the other end closer to Jesus, then he'll be pleased with me. But before we even knew what Jesus was going to do, he said, I'm pleased with you. And maybe we need to know that God is pleased. Maybe I need to hear, I'm pleased with you. You're my beloved so that I can go through what I'm called to go through, what is going to come in front of me. That's what's standing out. Even, even though, even though I, you are pleased with me, that does not mean my life will be easy. For me, this is one of those places that is like the fog that we talked about where you're kind of blundering through life and you can't see very far ahead of you and then the fog lifts and suddenly there's this whole world open to you. For me, 
the desire to hear, and this, I started here unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Did I do a good job? <laughs> Did I pass? Yeah. Do I get a what good grade? 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 Yeah. What grade do I get? And you know, unintentionally inside of me is this desire to 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 perform well and to hear from other people. Good job. You're you're a good person. You're a kind person. You're generous. You know whatever you know, accolade that they want to give, or you are a good preacher, a great worship leader, and it's it's fine to say some of those things, but, you know, it's natural for us to want to hear from others, good job, yeah. and it's important that we do that. However, inside many of us, and for sure inside myself, it's an overriding desire to hear from other people, good job, good job, good job, and you live from, from moment to moment looking for that next bump how much more, how, how much more do we need to hear from God? I, I love you. I mean, this is, we do this, if you're not from, from our church, you haven't been around, this is your first time here today, you're going to hear it at the end of the service in a minute, but we say this almost every week. If you heard nothing else today, if you're from here, say it with me. Jesus loves you, and that's why we say it. It's because we don't hear I love you very often in our culture. Many of us can go days and weeks. If we're a college student, you can go days and weeks without ever hearing it. And we want you to know that God loves you. And that's what this is. It becomes an aha moment for Jesus, I think. Can you imagine that? You're standing in the water and you come out, the heavens open, and here's an audible voice saying, I love you. The God who creates the universe says, I love you. I am pleased with you just because you are you. Yeah, you've got a mess. Yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you're this. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah, this thing happened to you in the past, or you did this or that, but I still, imagine, imagine that. The clouds lift and you hear this voice, and I think that's what's happening here for Jesus and to some degree and prepares him to go out and live the rest of this life, holding on to that moment that God shows up and says, I love you. And I think that's, if there's a, a, you know, we call this in, in, the, in the industry, the preaching moment. The preaching moment is this, that, that God really does love you. This isn't Sunday school answer business. This isn't you went and, you know, okay, kids, what's the answer for, the, you know, what's, the, why did God exodus the people from Israel? Everybody goes, Jesus loves them. It's not, it's not that. This is real and true and genuine. The deepest part of who you are, God is speaking to it right now. I love you. I love you. And he wants you to hold on to that. But why would God love us? And why would God do all of this? Why would he point to Jesus as this? Can you take some of that? (laughs) (laughs) He he just came up with a question that wasn't part of um, I think (laughs) because we're his children. I think that's it. Because... we're his kids. I mean, it sounds so simple, but that's that's why I love my kids. That's why he loves us, because you're his kid. Yeah. So today, as we um, as we kind of wrap things up, I want to invite anyone here who has not experienced God as your father um, the chance to be reborn. The chance to experience um, life with Christ. The chance to um, maybe even be baptized. We heard this last week. Someone's like, I want to be baptized. So maybe you might want to be baptized. But if you have been born once and you haven't been reborn, 
I invite you today, we're going to pray, and I'll invite you to be reborn. If you've been reborn before and you've been around the church, I want to invite you to realize how much God loves you and that you're the beloved and you don't have to do anything just because you are here, just because you're his son and you're his daughter. The words that popped in my head as you were talking before you mm-hmm. take lead us through that was that I've been born again, again, mm-hmm. and again. Yeah. And I think some of us get stuck. Well, I, I did that when I was eight years old. I, I went into a baptismal pool at eight years old and swam through. You know, <laughs> Literally, I swam to the other side. It was too short. And uh, there was a moment for me where I recognized Jesus was my God and that I loved him and I turned my life to him. But I have been born again and again and again and again since then. I was born again through cancer, discovered that God loved me and it wasn't about my performance. Been born again. I mean, just I could list times after times where God had been born again, 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 again. And today, the invitation is for you to be born again, again. All right. So let's pray. Let's pray. So in your heart, um, if you've never experienced Christ, if you've never experienced that being reborn, I just invite you to pray with me. And if you have, but there's something in you today that says, I just, I need to experience that rebirth again. I really need to hear today that I'm beloved by God. I invite you to be willing. I invite you to be open. It's, it's easy. Like Jamie said, um, I think if you walked with God, you're reborn over and over and over again. Jesus, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this time this morning. Thank you that we find our place in you as your children, not because of anything we do or how amazing or not amazing we are. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has not experienced being reborn in you, has not experienced the freedom of coming to Jesus at the cross, that today they may say yes and choose to be reborn and new life in you. God, for those of us today, for whatever reason, have believed that um, our value comes from something other than just being your child. Help us to see again truthfully. And if for a reason we can, like, I need reborn. Holy Spirit, come breathe new life. Holy Spirit, meet us here in this quiet space. Speak to us. Be real. Come rest on us like you did on Jesus. Hover over us. Move with us. Thank you for the opportunity to come worship you today, to sing to lift you high, to remind ourselves of who you are and who we are. Be with us as we go. May we see your gifts this week. May we slow down enough to be with you, to hear from you, to grow in you, to put down roots. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
So if you're inviting Christ into your heart for the first time or the second time or third time, you want to be baptized, you want to go through the waters and come out the other side, would you come and talk to us? We're, we're going to be around. We're very noticeable. Well, at least she's very noticeable. A nice white <laughs> sweater. You're awkward. I'm awkward. Um, but it's important. It's important to share that with other people, and it's important to do this in communities. Would you just come talk to us? It would be really great. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm going to end by blessing you and singing the doxology and then speaking the words over you. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. Amen. Would you sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And amen. If you heard nothing else today, say it loud with me so everybody can hear it. Jesus loves you, and he really does. And we love you too, and we will see you next week. Did you want to say something? And if you want to go on the retreat and you haven't signed up yet, I'm going to have the computer in the back. And if you're curious about the retreat, please ask me. I'd love to talk with you.